Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey Soulmates, we so hope your Christmas holiday was a good one. We have now entered into that week where we wind down 2022. Can you believe it? Welcome to Fox Soul's Black Report. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. We are honored to stand behind this desk each and every day to take you on a journey across Black America and tell you the stories that impact our people. Happy Kwanzaa. That's right. We are bringing our news, our views, and our voice. So topping uh, today's news, the man who shot and killed nine-year-old Brandonia Bennett from Dallas has been sentenced to prison. The shooter, Devante Benton, has been convicted of murder for the incident that took place in August of 2019, just a day before Brandonia's first day of school as a fourth grader. She was killed inside her home by a stray bullet from the outside while walking back to the couch after grabbing a snack in the kitchen. Now, police say the altercation started outside of the apartment when Benton got into an argument and opened fire on the unit he believed to be the rappers. Brandon and I, his family say they are still grieving the loss of their loved one, especially during this holiday season. And speaking of the loss of loved ones, an update to a story you first heard here on Black Report. The 19-year-old who was first told that she could not see her father prior to his execution was finally granted visitation. Corey Ramey entered the state prison in Missouri to visit her father, Kevin Johnson. Now for a final time, the prison guards would not allow them to embrace, but the 19-year-old was permitted to bring her two-month-old son, Caius. Several hours later, Johnson, 37, was put to death by lethal injection for killing a suburban St. Louis police officer in 2005. Documents from that day detail the father and daughter read scripture together and spoke about dignity and continued to read the Bible and pray as Johnson was injected. Natalia Bryant, daughter of the late basketball legend Kobe Bryant, has filed a request for a restraining order against an alleged stalker in Los Angeles. That's according to court records. The 19-year-old USC student filed a civil harassment restraining order against 32-year-old Dwayne Cortez Tolliver Kemp that he allegedly started to harass Bryant on social media in 2020 when she was just 17 and he was 30. The restraining order request asked that Kemp be required to stay at least 200 yards away from Bryant, her home, workplace, school, vehicle, and sorority house, and the USC campus. Um, you know, we're tapping back into the story because we talked about it, you know, when it first uh, broke, and I'm hoping uh, that the law holds up, this restraining uh, order holds up. You know, you never know, and this is an alleged stalker, but you never know their mindset, and you're just hoping that, you know, as, as, as victims or people who are filing these uh, restraints like uh, Natalia as they do so that they really do what they're supposed to do which is to keep them safe and so uh, we're glad to hear that uh, something has been you know put on the books to try to uh, continue with her safety uh, and those safety measures yeah but really unsettling to hear that it is. Uh, Natalia Bryant is uh, having to deal with this. Their family has been through so much mm -hmm. with the loss of mm -hmm. Kobe Bryant uh, and uh, the loss of her sister, uh, Gianna, and such a, uh, a, a devastating, tragic mm -hmm. uh, death there. And so, if anything, I think so many of us just sort of wish that family well on their mm -hmm. healing path. And to think that now she has to contend with this alleged stalker, yeah. um, especially around the holiday season when lots of people are out and about at Christmas parties and you know, out mm -hmm. there shopping. And so, um, you know, uh, uh, hopefully to, to her and all the other people out there that have to 
to deal with with stalkers. Hopefully they're getting the support that they need. That's right. And that this measure will bring them some uh, peace of mind and again, some safety. All right, moving on Real Madrid forward. Vinicius Jr. believes that fans who are found guilty of racist abuse should be banned for life from attending games. A 22 year old Brazilian was a victim of abuse back in September when Madrid fans were recorded directing racist chants at him outside their stadium ahead of a game. Vincini has published an emotional two-minute video statement uh, in response to what he called xenophobic and racist insults, saying he, quote, won't stop dancing and that the happiness of a black Brazilian being successful in Europe bothers many people. That's the end of that quote. One of the lawsuits filed against Travis Scott and Live Nation was settled with the family of a 21-year-old man who died last year. The attorney, Tony Busby, filed a lawsuit in November seeking more than $750 million on behalf of at least 125 victims, including Axel Acosta, whose family reached a confidential settlement. Now, the lawsuit named the concert's organizer, Live Nation, as one of the defendants, and the company declined to comment. Nine others were killed in the tragedy, and more than 2,000 people needed medical treatment. Hundreds of separate lawsuits have been filed against Scott, whose real name is Jacques Berman Webster II, and Live Nation accusing them of negligence. Okay, so let's lighten up the mood a bit. It's the day after Christmas, first day of Kwanzaa. Did you know there's a black-owned grocery store right in Houston? For those familiar with the area, it's on Cypress Creek Parkway at T.C. Jester, and it opened about a year ago. Fox's Damala Keith reports on the big one-year anniversary. These are some of my best sellers I have made right now. This is hibiscus. Selling everything from fresh-made juices and teas to vegan products, supplements, and spices. Of course, District Market Green Grocer also has fruits, veggies, frozen foods, and meat. We have grass-fed beef. Um, we also have uh, special oxtails, wago oxtails, naturally all no no steroids no hormones anything like that all natural beef and chicken in the years since the doors to district market opened we're doing pretty well despite of the uh inflation and the gas price hikes we still are holding on although those things have caused once constant customers to cut back they're still taking a drive but before they were doing it every day now it's happening once a week once every other week all on the other side of town and uh, this store has just been a inspiration to myself. This guy is like my mentor. People in peaks and valleys are coming here from all over the area, the state, and the country. I just really appreciate the community giving me the support. Most of the products here are from black-owned businesses. Wrap snacks? Wrap snacks, <laughs> yes. Good black brand. Good black brand. Uh, collaborated with them to get maybe the biggest selection that you can see in, in any store. Something that you're putting your heart and soul in um, is getting recognized and, and there's a place, there's a house for it. It's a beautiful thing. Black so brand. Black-owned company? Black-owned company. Okay. Yes, 1186 Water. The main thing that I have that I'm extremely proud of is our Seamoss selection. We have different breeds of Seamoss, different flavors of Seamoss. The next step for District Market Green Grocer is to expand into food deserts. And uh, we're going to take my company and make it available to the community to invest in shares. They can share in the dream with me. District Market owner Robert Thomas is also working on his website to develop an online store so he can start shipping products. District Market Green Grocer is open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 a.m. until 8 p.m. In Northwest Houston, I'm Domalee Keith, Fox 26 News. Oh my gosh, we love it. The owner says he's already planning on celebrations for next year's anniversary. I've heard a few things that, that that store is carrying, and I'm on my way to Houston. I heard Seamoss. I love Seamoss. I have some upstairs. In a Do jar. you really? If you want a, a tablespoon, absolutely. Okay. It, it, is, it is amazing. I've never had it before. You know, I'm a Caribbean girl, so you yeah. know, I know all about that. And then he said oxtails. <laughs> and I, I have I had that. I don't, I don't even eat beef anymore. It's been years and years and years, but uh -huh. let me tell you something about oxtails. Folks go crazy. And I wrote a Christmas jingle. That 
that says, uh, "Snow bells and oxtails, Christmas time is here." So I'm excited for him. <laughs> and the, it's like a, it's not just a grocery store; it's a movement, because here on Fox Soul's Black Report, we've often talked about food deserts, in particular, in Black communities where we don't have access to fresh produce and and, and groceries, and we, you know, have to go miles on top of miles just to get to a grocery store. So this is amazing, an amazing story. And right away, I was thinking about so many other stories that we've reported on just recently. Yeah. You know, from Buffalo to Chicago to now Houston. That's right. So many cities that are struggling with food insecurity. In fact, there was a story that we recently did that, that highlighted the fact that 37% of black neighborhoods uh, uh, across the country are experiencing food insecurity. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the sort of the double whammy of food insecurity and inflation right now. That's right. And so um, it's, it is really wonderful to see uh, this brother in Houston, Texas, doing his thing, really addressing that issue um, by providing us with, with good products. You mm -hmm. know, they may be a little bit more, yeah. right? But the quality, mm -hmm. the quality is there. You know, it's not just about, you know, making, you know, any kind of food available to folks, but it's quality food, quality products. Uh, that really make a difference in terms of our life expectancy. That's right. Mm -hmm. That was a great story. I really want to try that sea moss. I've never yeah, had it. Yeah, I'll bring you some. I make it. You know, I you make process it. it, and then you you can add your own. Well, we got to add your own fruit and so on and so forth. I see this in there telling we got to go, but we'll talk about it a little okay, bit more during right. this holiday season. I know where Absolutely. to find you. I know where to find yeah, you. Indeed. Well, uh, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated is teaming up with Indiana University to admit more black men into MBA programs. Uh, the Kelly School of Business announced in a blog post that college graduates who are Alpha Phi Alpha members can apply for a fellowship to attend the MBA program full time. Annually, a minimum of three uh, tuition free fellowships will be awarded to applicants who are accepted into the program. Now, since 1966, the Kelly School has helped over 10,000 people of color earn a graduate business degree. Okay, I see you, Frat. Love it. Speaking of uh, education, a new scholarship program for students at historically black colleges and universities is named after the former United Nations ambassador, Andrew Young. McGraw-Hill Education, an arm of McGraw-Hill Publishing, put an initial $50,000 into the program, which will fund 10 first-year students next fall who plan to attend an HBCU. Scholarship recipients will also complete a civil rights curriculum designed by Good of All. That's an organization that promotes universal human rights. Young, who graduated from Howard University back in 1951, said he probably never spent more than $400 a semester for his education and graduated debt-free. Today, the U.S. Department of Education estimates that average cost of college in the United States is close to $36,000 per student per year. That's including book supplies and daily living expenses. And one of those books might be a dictionary. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why Harvard University-based historian and uh, Finding Your Roots host, Henry Lewis, Gates Jr. will be the editor-in-chief of Oxford's new dictionary entitled The Oxford Dictionary of African-American English. The, the dictionary will provide a comprehensive collection of words and phrases created and used by black Americans, past and present. Gates Jr., director of the Hutchins Center for African-American Research at Harvard University, announced the project officially in an interview with The New York Times. Uh, the Oxford Dictionary of African-American English is set to debut in 2025. That is exciting. Love uh, Dr. Gates. He is just 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 an amazing figure uh, when you just talk about the, the movement uh, of black folks and understanding us better. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't wait to sit shoulder to shoulder because one of these days he's going to trace it on back for me. I'm pretty familiar with my mom's side yeah. of the family. That's the Caribbean roots. Uh -huh. uh, my dad's side, I have bits and pieces of information, yeah. so I'd really want to go the paternal route. Yeah. I know a lot of people go, you know, maternal route, uh, route, but I really need to know a little bit more information on my dad's side, that Hicks Sailor side. I just love how he has made genealogy fun Hip and, and fun. interesting yeah. and yeah. it's been really great to watch finding your roots mm -hmm. season after season you know just sort of a whole you know wide variety of celebrities and notables that are participating in it mm -hmm. and it's something about knowing who you are I mean I think about that scene my favorite scene from Black Panther uh, <laughs> first or second one the first one okay. the first one where the Queen Mother yells out while T'Challa's getting his butt whooped yeah. right 
remember who you are. Remember who you remember are. Who you are. And uh, you know, every time a new episode of Finding Your Roots airs, uh, that's the gift that it's Henry Louis so Gates offers us. He allows us to get to know who we are it's and so stay connected to that. It really is. I think my roots are on, the, on that dad's side. We did do a little something years ago, and uh, the lady was giving us a report, and we had been all up in Spain. It's such a mixed bag yeah. as to where you come from and how you get to where you are. Yeah. So interesting. Well, you know, my people from Ghana. That's right. Oh, you, you have a direct. From Florida, right. from Georgia, right? right. And uh, But still, I, I want to dig in on my mom's yeah. side in terms of, you know, uh, some of the history there. Mm -hmm. I have a, a great aunt mm -hmm. uh, who was enslaved, who, mm -hmm. uh, as rumor has it, had a cemetery named after her in Georgia. And so no how does that happen? How does an ens enslaved What's black woman have a cemetery named after her? And so yeah. when I get a little bit of time. That's right. I want to I wanna check that out. My but. husband's grandmother's still alive, 104. Oh, wow. My granny's 96, so. Well, coming up, having good cholesterol doesn't necessarily mean you're in good health. Say it ain't so. The latest warning from doctors for black patients dealing with heart issues. We'll be right back. 104. Right, soulmates, neurologists say accelerated brain aging in black people can be countered by simple lifestyle changes. A new study shows that race and ethnicity disparities in Alzheimer's disease and related uh, dementias may be due in part to social forces that accelerate brain aging, especially in middle-aged adults. The data that suggests that black people's brains are likely to age faster than those of other races due to stressors such as racism. However, doctors said lifestyle changes and preventative care could help slow some of the decline. That's right. Doctors suggest that many ways to minimize the risks and slow brain aging, including maintaining a healthy diet and getting proper rest, more fruits and grains and vegetables, and less animal fats <laughs> and sweets in moderation. Make sure you're getting six to eight hours of sleep and keep the mind and body active. But those fried foods are just so hard to give up. And speaking of fried foods and health news, so-called good cholesterol, may not be as good as advertised. An old study from the 1970s found that high levels of good HDL cholesterol were associated with low heart disease risk, but only white Americans were included in that study. Now, new research from the National Institutes of Health found that low levels of HDL were actually associated with higher risk of heart attack among white adults. But the same was not true for black adults. Also, higher HDL levels were not found to reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease for either group. Researchers say the findings highlight the need for more race and ethnic specific research to make sure treatment guidelines work for everyone. For years, accessibility to fresh food has remained limited for low income black and brown communities. Urban gardeners in New Orleans are working to level the playing field in the neighborhoods by helping to build gardens to achieve food independence. Although New Orleans is well known for the most amazing Creole food in the world, the city has many food deserts, leaving many black folks unable to purchase healthy options. Now, while organizations like the National Black Food and Justice Alliance work to promote black food sovereignty in those areas, food insecurity is still an issue. We are just talking about this. Mm -hmm. Urban gardeners like Crystal Sims Cameron have taken the initiative to serve the communities that need them the most. Sims Cameron helps black women in New Orleans start home gardens of their own. And after being financially strapped during the pandemic, she's now not only supporting her family, but others as well. And on to more good in the hood, rapper Jadakiss is expanding his business portfolio with help from his father and son with the launch of his new coffee brand, Kiss Cafe. Jadakiss is not only building generational wealth, but also honoring a part of his family's history. Coffee played a major role as his dad spent over 40 years working in the industry and recently served as the president of an import and trade firm specializing in international green coffees. Yummy stuff if you've never had it. Jadakiss describes coffee 
coffee as a universal and personal thing that anyone can enjoy, regardless of age or background. Now, with this launch, the company has released a Central American sourced medium dark roast blend called Bejo, which, translate in, which translates into a kiss in Portuguese. Now, the blend is available exclusively on the company's uh, website. Kiss Cafe is only one of the rapper's business ventures. You might remember in 2011, he and fellow D-Block member Styles P, one of my faves, opened a, a Juices for Life juice bar in Yonkers. And I remember that because it was a pretty big deal. No one expected these dudes who are kind of like, you know, hood rapping dudes, you know, uh, to, to be as healthy at, or to be as conscious as they were mm -hmm. to open up a juice bar. And they put it in the middle of the hood again uh, to, for, for folks like us and, and soulmates watching to have uh, access to fresh vegetables and the whole idea of juicing and what it does for your, your body and your health and your vitality. It was really a good look. I mean, what I really love about both of these stories back to back, the story about what's happening in, in New Orleans in terms of folks investing more in community gardens mm. and, you know, making fresh foods, quality foods available to black folks, uh, and also the work of Jadakiss is that they also underscore the, the culture of entrepreneurship yeah. uh, among our people. And, you know, that entrepreneurship, it creates jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and through, you know, the work that's happening in places like New Orleans, mm -hmm. it, it creates the, the, the possibility of longevity, right? One of the things I loved about uh, the Jadakiss story is that he's right, you know, a cup of coffee is something that everybody can enjoy, yeah. no matter what your background is. And I love that, you know, he's not offering us the, the cheap stuff. Mm -hmm. He's offering quality coffee uh, for folks to enjoy. And so yeah. uh, I can't, I'm not a coffee person, but you, you'd sip but, on that. But I would sip on that. Absolutely. Would you sip on that? I would absolutely. I'm You're a coffee, coffee person, person, and I would absolutely sip on it. And I really feel that coffee, well, you know, food and beverage is really key to, to bringing us all together. I, I, you can't eat everybody. You know what they bring to the pot. Like, yeah. however, there's just something <laughs> universal about food and drink that I think can bring, um, you know, cultures together. Food and what? Drink <laughs> that can bring cultures together, and then maybe we can begin, you know, as we're breaking bread to talk about some of the more That's serious right. issues that keep us, you know, divided, but food, to bring some food and some drink. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Okay. All right. We, we, we're going to enjoy some of that Jada Kiss coffee. <laughs> That's right. Uh, now off to uh, Facebook, where the Facebook marketplace, Craigslist, eBay, just some of the places people uh, go to sell things online for extra cash. Now, the IRS is eyeing that extra income. Can you believe that? Fox's Eben Brown has more on what you should know ahead of tax season. Do you make money on goods and services by accepting payments through Zelle, PayPal, or other digital payment platforms? Or do you sell things on websites like eBay or Poshmark? If yes, listen up. You'll be paying taxes on that income next year. Professor of Accounting Anthony Basile explains. If the amount that they receive is over $600. Last year, it used to be where if you had over $20,000 in payments, or over 200 transactions, those companies were required to report it to the recipients on a form 1099-K. Online selling is a $77 billion business here in the U.S., and the IRS wants to make sure it's getting its piece of that. The 1099-K has been used for many years for credit card processing. Now the payment platforms, the digital payment platforms are also part of that rule as well. The changes now require you to operate your side gig in a more structured way, and financial experts like better qualified President Paul Oster say keep good records on everything you do with payment apps. If you send your brother $700 um, for whatever reason as a gift, that's not taxable income. This is specifically for goods and services. The truth is you were always required to report online income to the IRS. Attorney and CPA E. Martin Davidoff weighs in. For those who have not been reporting the income, you're now going to get a 1099-K if you had more than $600 from various entities like you know, Venmo, PayPal, Etsy, Poshmark. This is to make sure everybody pays their fair share. A group of top online retailers, including Airbnb, eBay, and Etsy, are pushing back on this new rule. They are actively lobbying Congress to raise the reporting threshold. Experts also suggesting selling or buying in cash 
to help ease the stress surrounding the new tax. All right, you know the government is going to get theirs. And speaking of taxes, Yeezy Apparel reportedly owes over $600,000 in tax debt as multiple California tax liens have been filed in the past two years as the company's future remains unclear. Yeezy Apparel's uh, debt adds to his mounting woes amid backlash for his ongoing anti-black and anti-Semitic rhetoric. Now, during a recent appearance on a far, far right-wing podcast, Ye claimed several of his personal accounts were frozen due to tax debt and that he appears to owe 50 million. There are 17 liens against uh, four of Ye's California entities with the earliest dating back to 2020. That same year, Yeezy LLC reportedly received millions in federal relief as a part of the Paycheck Protection Program, while ownership of Yeezy's ex-Adidas intellectual property and designs remain with Adidas. Yeezy brands are 100% owned by Yee, 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 which is why um, he is responsible uh, for what the government says is a lot of money. So this hole continues to, to get deeper. Mm -hmm. And um, my hope is that, um, first of all, if there is any kind of healing involved when we talk about, you know, um, mental illness, that there's there's that component. And then thereafter, he can go about, you know, whatever he can do to maybe regroup, um, you know, professionally. Mm -hmm. This is this is, you know. This is a this could be a, a career ender, if but, you will. But you know what doesn't make any sense to me? Mm. Um, you know, Yeezy wasn't the only one that got a PPP loan. And you and I have talked about this yeah. quite a bit on, on air and off. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of folks out there that got PPP loans, uh, it, hundreds of thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. millions of dollars, people that, that really didn't need it. And ain't nobody in the government saying, you know, come pay it back. You know, um, nobody's investigating them. And it just seems unfair that they're squeezing the folks that are using Zelle and, mm -hmm. and Venmo and PayPal. Cash App, mm -hmm. you know, and some of those other sort of fintech apps. Uh, they're squeezing them, you know, when you have plenty of millionaires and billionaires that aren't paying their fair share, mm -hmm. right? And so go after the folks that, you know, did not uh, get their PPP loans uh, above board. Mm -hmm. um, go after those folks. Don't squeeze the little guys. Yeah, there were even corporations, huge corporations, that got uh, pay, pay, payroll protection uh, funds as well. Some of them uh, gave it back, trying to be, I guess, you know, a little bit more honest that, that uh, you know, folks who really needed it weren't getting it, and some kept the money because, I mean, legally they were, they were, you know, they could get it, they could have it. So. I mean, that is so, uh, it's such a sticky area. It's, it's so gray. Um, you know, we see a lot of the, the smaller folk, if you will, um, getting pressed, uh, being convicted, serving time, when, like you said, some of the bigger, you know, corporations or the, the bigger folks aren't, aren't seeing those same sort of kind of consequences. Yeah, yeah. And, as, and as the year comes to a close and we turn the page uh, on a, a, into a new year, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully, you know, we can actually stop talking about it and be about it, right? You know, go after the folks that uh, need to be gone after. Just saying, just saying. <laughs> Still ahead, what does your zip code say about the level of service you receive? Mm, we'll tell you uh, all about what big companies are doing that's being swept under the rug. No surprise here. More when we return, you're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. Welcome back, soulmates. Happy holidays. It's day after Christmas, first day of Kwanzaa. Thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of your holiday season. Just in case you're joining us, we're going to run back some of uh, your top headlines. We start with the man who shot and killed nine-year-old Brandonia Bennett from Dallas. Uh, that man has been sentenced to prison. The shooter, Devante Benton, has been convicted of murder for the incident taking place back in August of 2019, just a day before Brandonia's first day of fourth grade. However, uh, she was killed by a stray bullet from outside while walking in her home back to the couch after grabbing a snack in the kitchen. Police say the altercation started outside of the apartment when Benton got into an argument with a local rapper he felt disrespected and then opened fire on the unit he believed to be the rappers. Brandonia's family say they are still grieving the loss of their loved one, especially during this holiday season. And Natalia Bryant, 
Of course, the daughter of the late basketball star Kobe Bryant has filed a request for a restraining order against an alleged stalker in L.A. This is according to court records. Now, the 19-year-old University of Southern California student filed for a civil harassment restraining order against 32-year-old Dwayne Cortez Tolliver Kemp of California. Now, the filing states that Kemp allegedly allegedly started to harass Natalia on social media back in 2020. She was just 17. He was 30. The restraining order request asked that Kemp be required to stay at least 200 yards away from Bryant, her home, workplace, school, vehicle, sorority house and the USC campus. And Real Madrid forward Vinicius Jr. believes that fans who are found guilty of racist abuse should be banned for life from attending games. We're talking soccer games here. The 22 year old Brazilian was a victim of abuse back in September when Madrid fans were recorded directing racist chants at him outside of their uh, arena or stadium rather ahead of a soccer game. Vinicius published an emotional two minute video statement in response to what he called xenophobic and racist insults saying quote, we won't stop dancing and that the happiness of a black Brazilian being successful in Europe bothers many people. That's the end of that quote. Emma Fratt, AFIA, is teaming up with Indiana University to admit more black men into uh, MBA program. The Kelly School of Business announced in a blog post that the college graduates who are Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity members can apply for a fellowship to attend the MBA program full time. Annually, a minimum of three tuition free fellowships will be awarded to applicants who are accepted to the program. Since 1966, the Kelly School has helped over 10,000 people of color earn a graduate business degree. Nicole Lai, over to you. Thank you, Courtney. Now to a new study that finds that firearms related death are at an all time high in the United States over the past three decades and black men are the most affected. A study published in the Journal of American Medical Association found that firearm related homicides are greatest among black men between 20 and 40 years of age, between 1990 and 2021. Now, the statistics are so alarming that medical professionals want to reframe firearm violence as a public health crisis. Gun laws alone will not solve the issues in places where unemployment rates are higher, where there isn't equal access to safe housing and where public infrastructure is neglected people may be more exposed to dangerous behavior. And so all hands are needed to solve this continually escalating problem. And now a story from right here at our Fox Soul headquarters. Detroit is starting to remove blight caused by white flight, starting with the 3.5 million square foot, I said it, Packard automotive plant uh, built back in 1903 and abandoned by 1954. Demolition of the long vacant Packard auto plant in Detroit started this month. The plant complex is among dozens of large structures that Detroit officials have identified uh, to be torn down or renovated. The work follows up on a plan by Mayor Mike Duggan after the developer and owner uh, failed to do anything after buying it, the plant that is, back in 2013. The city is calling the work, quote, an emergency demolition. Mayor Duggan has said that some parts of the complex might be saved for redevelopment. Deliberately lower internet speeds in black populated areas are being revealed after a New Orleans woman said she couldn't keep in contact with her loved ones. Shirley Neville had finally had enough of her shoddy internet service when she called AT&T and willing to pay more for upgraded services, the company told her there's nothing else that could be done. Her internet is so slow that it doesn't even meet the Zoom's recommended minimum for group video calls and doesn't come close to the Federal Communications Commission's definition of broadband. None of the providers denied charging the same fee for vastly different internet speeds to different neighborhoods in the same cities, but they said their intentions were not to discriminate against communities of color and that there were other factors to consider. Hmm, shame on them. All right, now let's move to some black excellence. Economist Lisa Cook has been confirmed to the Federal Reserve Board, making her the first black woman governor in the agency's 100 
an eight year history. She is the first black woman to help oversee the nation's central bank as it works to stabilize financial recovery in the U.S. Cook was confirmed by a 51 to 50 vote in the Senate with Vice President Harris casting the tie breaking vote. No Republicans voted for her and Democrats delayed moving forward on her nomination until they could assemble all 50 of their members to back her. Cook is among the country's uh, prominent uh, economists and teaches at Michigan State University. Her research uh, has focused on microeconomics, economic history, international finance, and innovation, particularly on how hate-related violence has harmed U.S. economic growth. She also worked on the White House Council of Economic Advisors during the Obama administration. Donald Trump and the Trump Organization are facing accountability in a court of law. Trump's real estate development firm, the Trump Organization, was convicted on 17 counts of tax fraud and other so-called white-collar crimes by a jury in the New York Supreme Court. Uh, the New York Supreme Court reports uh, a longtime running scheme in which the Trump Organization doled out off-the-book luxury perks like Benzes and swanky New York apartments and even tuition at expensive private schools to employees all without paying taxes. The question now that Trump's business has been slapped with a criminal conviction, will any of these charges be brought against those who benefited individually? Yeah, going back to the uh, Lisa Cook story, uh, who I am familiar with, of course, you know, having attended Michigan State University, but could you imagine, you know, studying economics, whether it's your major or not, and she is your teacher, your, your professor, and, you know, being a part of this agency where she is running the money, the first black woman to do it in, in that agency's 108 year history, for her to be standing right in front of you in a lecture a hall and giving you that first rate knowledge is is amazing to me, unbelievable. And just also the lived experience that she yeah. brings to that role. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, we celebrate a lot of black excellence on the show. Uh, we're unapologetic about that. Mm -hmm. uh, we celebrate a lot of historic first. Uh, but, you know, once we get beyond that initial headline, um, what's so beautiful is to see these historic first in action, yeah. to see them, you know, bringing that lived experience, bringing folks who have traditionally been marginalized, bringing those voices mm -hmm. to the table, dare I say, building a longer table mm -hmm. of, of partners uh, from the inside out. And so uh, really looking forward to, to what uh, uh, Lisa Cook does in her new yeah. role there. It's a great appointment. Congratulations to her. Black excellence. Yeah. That's what we do here on Fox Souls Black Report. We give it to you. But you know, the opposite of, of the kind of excellence that people are looking for mm. on their internet service. That, oh. that story out of New Orleans. Shame on them. Uh, really caught my attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fact that she doesn't even have stable enough broadband to be able to do a simple Zoom to call to stay business. connected. Mm -hmm. How in the world was she able to, to get through the darkest days of the pandemic? And the excuses, the yeah. excuses by the companies, but Unex un unexcusable. But it's a reminder that there are so many of our people that don't have access to broadband to be able to watch mm -hmm. uh, Fox Souls Black Report on streaming, for example, or do a lot of things via Zoom and other platforms. And so, you know, broadband, infrastructure if we're investing in infrastructure mm -hmm. in this country mm -hmm. it's you know it's not just you know addressing the water crises that we're seeing across uh, the country in terms of physical infrastructure but it's yeah. also that broadband infrastructure so people can stay connected and have access to telemedicine and have access to um, all sorts of uh, tools and resources. But also, even though we shouldn't have to be so resilient, I mean, we got internet, no water, <laughs> you know, no fresh food, but we but we still we still press and we still keep going and we still keep making it happen as a people. We shouldn't have to be in this uh, predicament, but you know, this is what uh, we have to continue to battle and fight. The, uh, the, the work endures. That's right. Still ahead, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, the greatest of all time lives on. That's right, we're gonna tell you how his legacy will live on in the ring. Up next, you're watching Fox Souls Black Report. Tiana Taylor is on the hook for unpaid rent for her Harlem salon. The lawsuit obtained by the Griot states that Junie B. Nails Incorporated entered a 10-year lease for the space in February 2017, but owes nearly $49,000 mm. in rent. 
dating to January 2019. Now the suit further states that the salon abandoned the location on February 29, 2020. However, as Lisa uh, Guarantier Taylor is responsible, according to the building owner. Now, Junie B. Nails announced on Instagram that it was temporarily closing on March 21st, 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. On June 26, 2020, the company announced on Instagram that it would permanently close the location to focus ownership and, uh, quote, uh, focus on buying the block. And furthermore, the plaintiff is also seeking interest, charges, and attorney's fees. The grandson of the late heavyweight boxing legend Muhammad Ali is officially an MMA fighter after signing an amateur contract with the Professional Fighters League. Now, the 24-year-old is best known for being a star running back in high school and went on to play at the collegiate level. Uh, Ali Walsh transitioned to MMA in 2020, and he continues to train out of his hometown of Las Vegas. Now, many members of Ali's family have followed in his footsteps in the world of combat sports. His daughter, Layla Ali, went 24-0 as a pro boxer from 1999 to 2007. Ali Walsh's 22-year-old brother, Nico, is a 6-0 uh, ASA professional boxer. And so uh, plenty of this is running in the family. Yeah, go Ali, go right. Ali, boom, bye, Ali, it. boom, bye. One of my favorite uh, athletes of all time. <laughs> all right, Althea Gibson, another one of my faves, the first black tennis player to win a Grand Slam title, has been honored with a street named for her 95th birthday, the Harlem intersection of West 143rd Street and Malcolm X Boulevard, where Gibson grew up, is now called Althea Gibson Way. The ceremony took place in front of Gibson's old apartment building, where members Members of her family were given a replica of the new street sign. Gibson won the French Open back in 1956 and subsequently took home back-to-back -back Grand Slam single titles at Wimbledon and the U.S. Open. This was back in 1957 and then again in 58. Filmmaker Tyler Perry has donated $500,000 to New York's famed Apollo Theater, including Perry's gift uh, the Apollo raised a record-breaking $3.7 million as comedian Keenan Thompson hosted the venue's annual fundraising gala this spring. Perry made the offer during his acceptance speech for the organization's Impact Award, which was presented to him by Whoopi Goldberg. Black excellence at its best yet again. You know, and I just love how folks are continuing to sort of give back, replenish the well, mm -hmm. right? You know, uh, everybody doesn't have to do the same thing, right. but, you know, everybody needs to do their part. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, that's who we are as a people at our best. Yeah, and when, when folks like a Muhammad Ali, like an Althea Gibson, leave such rich legacies that we can continue to tap into, it really doesn't get any better than that. And it's our really responsibility to stay plugged in to their accomplishments to help uh, inspire us to do what uh, we've been uh, anointed to do as far as our talents and our gifts are concerned and pouring uh, into or back into uh, the culture. Now, I never had a chance to meet uh, Muhammad Ali, but I have a sneaking suspicion Ooh, that, that you might have had I an did. opportunity to meet Muhammad Ali. I did. I might have been about seven or eight. Him and my dad were business partners. My yeah. dad brought him to Detroit, and they were going to go out to eat, but the house was up the street, so he brought him back to the house, him and his boys, and we have a bar in the basement, and I'm going to keep that under wraps uh, yeah. <laughs> as to what they did. I just remember seeing it as a kid. It might have involved some dice or something like that. But listen, um, I didn't. I knew he was somebody, but I just didn't know yeah. he was somebody. He was just daddy's business friend. But it was a uh, looking back on that. We have pictures and things of that nature. So it was a, uh, an amazing moment down to earth. His whole crew was just really sweet and special. And uh, it was just, just a great memory. It is an absolute great memory. That's great. What a wonderful thing yeah, to share. Yeah, I know, right? It's great. Beautiful. It's great. All right, still ahead, it's the start of Kwanzaa today, and we're breaking it all down for you. That's right. Food Network's Tanya Hopkins joins us to give us the this year's Kwanzaa menu that you don't want to miss. We'll be right back. You're watching Fox News Black Report.
right, soulmates, holiday season is a great time for families to come together to create new memories, pass along traditions, and enjoy good food. One family brings their Kwanzaa celebration to the small screen in Food Network's new miniseries. That's it. Tanya Hopkins, known as the Food Griot, is a legacy cook, drink designer, and culinary historian. And uh, the new host of the new series, The Kwanzaa Menu, premiering Monday, December 26th on foodnetwork.com. Welcome in. How are you this afternoon? Hi. Hi, guys. Hi, Nicolai. Hi, Courtney. Hello. Great to be here with you guys. Oh, thanks for uh, joining us. We appreciate you. So first, uh, Tanya, let's just start with the importance of us recognizing and celebrating uh, Kwanzaa, all the principles, all the celebrations and the traditions uh, that go along with that. Why is that so important? And it's such a treasure of a um, holiday that I think often gets misunderstood or underutilized. Uh, I think a lot of people think it's a religious holiday. It's not. It's a culturally rooted one. And there's a lot of thought and history and culture and connection and inclusivity in terms of across the, you know, ideas and concepts across the uh, entire uh, African continent, as well as intended for to be celebrated throughout the African diaspora. So, um, you know, we are a uniquely American people, black folks here in this country. And until Juneteenth, Kwanzaa was uh, the newest uh, uniquely American holiday, although not an official federal holiday. But uh, I love that the, the, the recent holidays have been rooted in black history and culture. But um, and it's something that is relatively new, but there is, but because it's informed by history and culture, there's so much there to unpack for us to use to connect. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about the series, Tanya, is that uh, uh, you invite some of your favorite people to celebrate Kwanzaa and its traditions uh, around food and conversation. It's a family affair. I know your sister Kenya is a producer on the project. Uh, your father, Dr. Parham, uh, who is no stranger to the National Association of Black. <laughs> psychologist. Yeah. Uh, he's a part of, of, of the series. Talk about how your own family sort of, you know, inspires you to sort of take these conversations to the masses on the Food Network. Family is everything. And especially in this in this story, um, you know, my sister and I, you know, Kenya doesn't know life without Kwanzaa. You know, we started to celebrate it um, when I was younger, but from the day that she was born. And, you know, our father, being a native son of um, Southern California, South Central, not far from the um, uh, part of the, the, the incidents that sparked the beginning of Kwanzaa, which was born in also in Southern California in Long Beach. Um, the whole academic connection um, with um, uh, the originator, Dr. Karanga, and them being connected to the same, the university. So it, it was just something that like with the birth of Kwanzaa, like where it originates and where our home base is in our family and and our father playing such an important role, role throughout the different black communities there and being a, um, a facilitator of Kwanzaa ceremonies and 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 rituals and such. And it was always in our house, like the Kanara, the, went up the same time that the tree went up and then, um, you know, blended into, you know, from we seamlessly would go from Christmas to Kwanzaa, um, kind of like this, you know, what I'm wearing right now, the red, black and green combination holiday Kwanzaa thing, because it's just that's how seamless it always was in our family. And the principles were always a way to um, reflect on very important positive affirming things not just for as an individual but that benefit the greater good so i always like to say and this was taught to us how you know the, the seven days leading up to new year's is a great way to start off the new year versus you know just looking at resolutions from from a um, self-centered place you know on that first day yeah, Tanya, so talk a little bit about uh, the menu. Uh, that's what everybody is, is also tuning in for. I got a chance to look at the layout for the show, and I do believe one of my faves, it looks like for me, is the um, uh, seventh day uh, principal, Amani, meaning, meaning faith. You're going to be serving up cassava uh, with peanut stew. I have a little bit of Caribbean uh, descent going on, and so I, I understand what that's all about. But for those who are new to these type of ingredients, these type 
of dishes. I, I believe that the struggle is, is probably real, which is why a show like this is, is so much more important, yes? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's another beautiful thing about the holiday. It's, you know, seven extra days to, you know, get together, cook together, and to explore the vast diversity of black culinary in this, whether you, there's different options, right? You can choose uh, to focus on a specific region like the Caribbean, or you can have, um, like for the Kulumba feast, the, the night before on the sixth day, um, we're drawing from several different food cultures. But for that particular dish, the cassava and the, the, the ginger peanut stew, um, that's actually a fusion uh, and African diaspora fusion with the, um, because cassava is originally a new world crop that got readily adopted by West Africans um, to become one of the main starches and then also comes back through the transatlantic slave trade. This is a whole interesting thing, but it's very heavily rooted in so many African diaspora food cultures, including West Africa and throughout the Caribbean. And it's catching on more now in North mm -hmm. America through um, people from those places who are sharing that culture. And they're available now. You know, it's more available in the um, food, in the, in the stores, but you know, it's also known as manioc and and um, there's another name for it. There's like several different names. So, so it's, it can be confusing, but it's a it's a big starchy tuber that is very prominent in black food cultures, um, mostly internationally. But yeah, more now. And then the peanut stew part is um, coming out of West African tradition of groundnut stews. And there's a lot of rich history of peanuts here mm -hmm. in American history with African-Americans mm -hmm. being peanut vendors and uh, uh, cultivators and, you know, some of the first entrepreneurs around that. Mm -hmm. So, and there's so much flavor in that dish as well. Wow, I love the way it all great. connects. Yeah. Right? Very important. We're, we're, all we're, of that all inter, history we're all, lesson there. You're right. We're all interconnected <laughs> and we'll, we'll have to exchange peanut butter stew uh, recipes, recipes sometime soon. Yeah. Our thanks to Tanya Hopkins, known as The Food Griot. Yes. Uh, her uh, show on the Food Network, The Kwanzaa Menu, premieres Monday, December 26th. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy, Happy Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa to you. <laughs> Happy Kwanzaa. Yeah. First qu day of Kwanzaa. That's right. Emoja. Emoja. That's right. The unity. Right? Yeah. I do believe so. Yeah. First, yeah. first principle. And of course, we've talked about, you know, the different candles that are lit every day and, and the principles that you practice and, and continue to put into practice throughout uh, throughout the year. So it, it's important. And I think some, still as a culture, either it's it's either put on the back burner or we don't really pay mm -hmm. attention to it as maybe we should. Uh, some practice, some don't, but uh, it is definitely there for those who want to, yeah. you know, partake. And for those who've been partaking, I've got friends who've been doing Kwanzaa for forever, ever yeah. since, you know, it's, its inception. So And all week we want to, in some way, or another, give a nod to mm -hmm. uh, Kwanzaa. This is a very special holiday uh, for a lot of our soulmates. That's right. Uh, and uh, we try to celebrate unity mm -hmm. uh, in some of the stories that we bring to you uh, mm -hmm. each and every day. We want to make sure that we're sharing both our rhythm and our blues. Uh, mm -hmm. We know that there are a lot of places you can go uh, to get your news, but uh, we want to make sure that. Uh, uh, we balance it out here and we show a broad cross-section of experiences yeah. across black America. Especially during this holiday season. So thank you so much for allowing us to be a part of it. That's right. That's right. Well, until next time, I'm Nicordelai Corte. And I'm Courtney Hicks. Stay lifted, soulmates. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Emoja. That's right. Unity. Unity.